Okay, so I got a bunch of announcements and we're going to play a quick game of Simon Says. All right, so first of all, if you still have not come up and seen me, I still have your award or reward or whatever. I think there's about four of you that have still not come up, so I got that. Number two, I have a materials table up for West Coast uh, Baptist College. And, uh, oh, I want to know. I want to know what we got here. Uh, if you're 7th or 8th grade, raise your hand. 7th or 8th grade. Okay, good number of you. If you're ninth or 10th grade, raise your hand. Whoa, okay. And that's what I thought, too. I thought the biggest group was going to be 9th grade. If you're junior or senior, stand up. Junior or senior, stand up. Um, if you have just graduated from high school, raise your hand. Is there any? Oh, oh, stand up, stand up. You just graduated from high school. Okay, wow, that's more than I thought. Um, uh, Brother Mike said, I think at some point, juniors, seniors, and graduates, I think uh, I'm going to have a chance to talk to you. That's great. Hey, listen, if you're standing right now, you ought to start looking at the possibility of Bible college. Where God's given a lot of opportunities all over the country. Thank you, you may be seated. Uh, God's given you a lot of opportunities. You're coming into your junior year. You're coming into your senior year. If you just graduate, give me those again. Just a hand. I won't have you stand. You just graduate. Wow, that's more than I thought that was here. I would love to talk to you. Um, and take that initiative to do that. I don't know what your plans are. You may have already got it settled. Uh, but if at all, if you do not, I would love to speak with you. I actually think we're going to have an opportunity sometime tomorrow for about 10, 15 minutes to talk to all the juniors, seniors, and, and whatever. You coming up here, Mike, to kick me off? Or? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's give my hand in you. Good job. Amen. Praise the Lord for Brother Mike. Okay, so... I've got a materials table. Now, here, if you're ninth through 12th grade or just graduated, if you fill out one of the information cards, right on the table, there's pens there, and you leave them there, tomorrow I'll have a drawing for a couple, for some CDs. So just fill that. All that does is get you on the mailing list. That's all that does. And man, if you're, if you're a ninth, 10th, 11th, or 12th grader, you ought to start getting a mailing list uh, of Bible colleges or whatever. So let me encourage you to do that. Uh, just leave the card right on the, on the table there. I'll collect them all. And then I'll of that, and, you know, like before the meal or something, uh, go get them and get a pen or something and fill those out as well. Okay, so I think we're I think we're ready uh, for Simon says. Okay, so Simon says you do what Simon says, not what Simon does. All right, so the game starts now. Okay, everybody stand up. Oh. Yes, yeah, Simon Simon didn't say stand up. All right, okay. So, uh, hey, by the way, though, by the way, which team's going to win? Yeah. Yeah, Simon didn't, okay, Simon didn't ask that question. Okay, guys. Whoa, this is not good. Okay, Simon says stand up. All right, Simon says put your hands on your shoulders. Okay, that would be your hips, okay? Simon says put your hands on your nose. All right, put your hands on your head. Yeah, Simon didn't say that. Okay. Whoa. Simon says, put your right hand up. Put your left hand up. Okay. Oh, guys. Oh, man. Simon says, clap your hands. Clap them again. Oh. Oh, guys. This is like the worst group ever. Simon says, say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Louder. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That was classic. That was good. Okay. 
Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Okay, Simon says, put your hands on your knees. All right, Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, put your hands on your nose. Simon says, put your hands on your ears. Okay, hell, uh, uh, you got to look. Simon says, if you're not looking at me, you're out. Okay, come here for just a minute. Come here. Caleb, is it? Come here for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Simon didn't say, come here. <laughs> so you're out. <laughs> oh, man, that's rough. Okay. Simon says, what's your name? Ben. Ben what? Worsham. Yeah, he didn't ask what. Simon says, what's your name? Zachary. Zachary. Zachary, shake my hand. Simon says, shake my hand. All right. Harder, like a man. Yeah, Simon didn't say like a man. So see you later. Simon says, what's your name? What is it? Rachel. Yeah, he didn't ask, what is it, the second time. Simon says, what's your name? Elena. Elena, Elena why are you shaking my hand? Yeah, Simon didn't say that, did he? <laughs> okay, you girls right here coming this way. <laughs> yeah, like you're out, okay? Simon says, Simon says this row right here, come this way. Simon says this row right here, come this way. Simon says, come this way, come this way, come this way. Stop. Oh, see you later, girls. Okay. Hey, we got to get going. So we got to make this really quick. Simon says, jump up. Simon didn't say, come down. Okay, take your Bibles. Simon says, the game is over. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, the bearded man in the back. Okay. Simon says, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you think you're still playing the game, so come here. All right, stop. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, if you think your cabin can handle me for five minutes, and Simon says, I'll challenge any cabin on that. All right, so we got a, we got a sword drill. We got a sword drill. Everyone, Simon says, the game is over. Simon says, no, take your Bibles, hold them up in the air. By the way, wave them back and forth. You just waved them in the devil's face. Amen? All right. Hey, how many decided last night to be the man God wants you to be. Can you say amen? amen? How many decided last night to be the young lady that God wants you to be last night? Amen. amen. I got to tell you something. I mean this honestly. You know, when you, when you see everyone walk out, obviously as a preacher, you wonder like, well, is everyone just going out because someone else went? But I am going to tell you this. For every one of you last night that genuinely said, Lord, Thanks for making me the gender that you made me. I just got to believe the creator of the world went like, thanks, because I do have a great plan for you. I got an expected end for you. I got great plans for you. But the very first thing you got to do is accept your gender. You'll never know what I have for you until you accept what you are. And young people, let's face it, we are living in a culture right now where young people are really struggling about their own identity. They don't even know what they are. Young people, go back. What, you know, a lot of times you think, like, well, how do you witness? You just witness, by first of all, by being the young man and the young woman God wants you to be. That's one way to witness, because people will take notice of that. If you guys start leading, providing, you men, start leading, providing, and protecting, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have opportunities to witness. Young ladies, if you start being the cheerleader, the caution light, and the challenge that you're supposed to be, I tell you right now, there's going to be people that ask you, why are you this way? And uh, uh, so important. Now, today's message is really cool. I've never done this before, but the invitation for today's message is tomorrow in chapel. You say, Brother Scheller, we may not be here. I, I do understand that. I do.
God knows your heart on this, but this morning's invitation to this message, I think you need 24 hours to think about what I'm going to preach about today. And uh, I don't want it to be emotional. I want it to be that, you know what, that is what I want. I want, I want that. I want that in my life. And tomorrow morning at the end of the message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to today's message as well. So you got your Bibles? You all ready to go? We're going to have a little sword drill. All right, so here we go. I'll say the passage. You turn to it. Okay, here we go. You ready? Okay, here we go. The Shema. Go. Turn to the Shema. Go. The Shema. Turn to the Shema. Go. You got it? Where are you? Take your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy. Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Where did you hear the Shema? School, way to go, way to go. Okay, so let me tell you what the Shema is. For every Jewish young person, you guys have been memorizing scriptures, let me tell you the first passage of scripture that every Jewish young person uh, memorizes is the Shema. The word Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. And that's why it starts out, hear, O Israel, the Shema. So every Jewish young person, the very first thing that they memorize is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Doesn't matter. Uh, every Jew, when they're just little, they memorize the Shema. So it's going to be our text today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Hear Shema. Let's all say that word together. Together. Oh, look at the person next to you and say Shema. Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is... Everyone together, what's the next word? Oh, boy, Brother Shetler. Oh, boy. Okay, so I cannot give this verse and not explain this. Oh, brother. Brother Shetler, I think I've had a Jehovah's Witness use this verse on me. They don't believe in the Trinity. They believe it's one Lord, and they use Deuteronomy 6.4. Here, Shema, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. See, Brother Shetler, it's not a triune God. Okay, so if you go to a major league ball game, and you get there early. You come out to see us at West Coast, we'll take you to a Dodgers game. We go to a Major League Baseball game every year. Usually it's the Dodgers. We get there early, and you get there, and we park, and you come on in, and you look it out in the field, and you say, oh, oh, look, 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 look. One of the Dodgers just came out to stretch. There's one ball player out there. And you would say the word, one. Then you go get a Dodger dog, and you do some things. You walk around the stadium or whatever. You come back out, and the whole team's out there, but the other team's not. And you say, oh, oh, look, there's one team out there. Well, you would use the word one for one player. You would use the word one for one team, because in the English language, that's all we've got. We've got one word for one. One person and one is a unit. Hebrew's not that way. Hebrew has two words for one. They have a word in the Hebrew, one, for an individual, and then they have a word, akat. And akat is the word one as a unit, one as a group. The Bible says here, hear, O Israel, shema, O Israel, Yehovah is akat, Yehovah. One 
Lord as a unit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I love it when Jehovah's Witnesses use this verse because it actually proves the Trinity, not disprove it at all. That's not our text, but I just couldn't read that verse and not say that. Verse number five is our text. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to read it out loud, and we're going to emphasize one word. After I read it, I think you'll figure out what word we're going to emphasize. And thou shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might everyone together what's the word we're going to emphasize no it's the word love no i'm just teasing no i'm just, <laughs> I'm just teasing okay everybody stand okay so when we get to all you give it all all right I mean, you give it all when we get to the three alls. All right, here we go. Together, Deuteronomy 6, 5, together. And thou. Ooh, title of my message today is All In. Father, I pray that we will have a camp. We will have young people that in the next 24 hours, they will decide for their life and definitely for their summer of 2019 that they will say, God, I am all in. It isn't part of me. I'm not going to waver. God, for three months, for the rest of June, all of July, all of August, God, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be all in in what I think and what I say and what I do. Father, I know we're going to all fail at times. We're going to all fall on this. There's going to be some times, but Lord, we're going to come back and we're going to say, no, I am all in for my Lord and Savior. With all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with everything I have, I'm going to be all in. Father, may we understand what it means to be all in today. May we understand why we should be all in. And then God, I pray that you'll teach us how to be all in today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right, here we go. Let's be all in today. Look at the person next to you. You say, hey, I'm awake now, man. I'm awake now, man. Yeah, amen. Okay, so here we go. Question number one. What does all in mean? You know, we can't be all in until we know what we're talking about, all right? Definition of terms. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Now, we're going to talk about Jesus in a little bit because there's no greater picture of anyone that was ever all in more than Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about him in just a moment. But I want to start with, a, with another example because I do think that Abraham gives us something about being all in. Now, if I was writing down anything, this is what I would say all in is. What does all in mean? I think it means three things. I think it means complete surrender. I think it means total trust. And I think it means true love. When you're all in, you are completely surrendered. You are trusting your total, tru your, your total trust and true love. And I think Genesis 22 really shows this with something that Abraham really loved. First of all, I want you to see the complete surrender. Genesis 22, verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God 
did tempt. He tested Abraham. He wanted to know, Abraham, are you all in? Gang, that's basically, are you all in about me? And he tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he, Abraham, said, hey, behold, here I am, Lord. I'm all in, Lord. Okay, well, let's find out how all in you are, Abraham. And he said, take now thy son. All right. Everyone together, I want you to say the next four words because this is very interesting. Take now thy son. Everyone together, what's the next four words? Is that true? Is Isaac Abraham's only son? Way to go, way to go. Who's his other son? Excellent. So God just lied. Well, God is the one who just said, take thine only son. That's God speaking. Okay, so let me explain. Ishmael is the son of the flesh of man trying to connive and work it out. Sarah's going like, okay, now I'm too old to have a child. God's promised that you're going to have a seed. I can't do it, so you take my handmaid, Hagar, and you have child with Hagar. And we're going to work this out, and we're going to do this our way. And I'm going to tell you something, young person. God doesn't even recognize your way. The only way that God recognizes is the way of faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. If you're going to try to figure out your whole little life for Jesus, forget it. God isn't even going to recognize it. The only thing that God recognizes is a life of faith. you got to take your step of faith before God. Isaac is the child of faith. So to God, the only son you got, Abraham, is Isaac because he is your step of faith. You trusted me for Isaac. You didn't trust me on the Ishmael thing. By the way, we're all suffering because of that today. All the Middle East crisis, everything comes out of this decision of Sarah to give Hagar to Abraham, and Abraham succumbing to it. And then we got Ishmael, we got all the Arab nations, and we got all the problems that we have today because of that. All of the battle and all the struggle because the flesh and the faith of God. So he takes so so Isaac is the only child that he recommends or that he that he recognizes. Excuse me. Okay, so and and he said, Take thou thy son. Thine only son, Isaac, whom thou... Now, this is huge. This is absolutely huge. It is the first time in the Bible this word is mentioned. Whom thou... Everyone together? Okay. Whom thou lovest. First time in the Bible it's mentioned. This is going to be really important. Abraham loved his son. Is it wrong to love your child? No, absolutely not. But I will tell you this, you can't love anything. If you're going to be all in, you can't love anything more than God. Okay, so if you got, you know what? I love God, but I love basketball more. Okay, you can't be all in. Okay, it's not, it's not working. You know, I love God, and I want to serve God, but I have a girlfriend, I have a boyfriend that I care for more. Okay, then you're not all in, all right? You know, I, I, I have dreams of what I want to do. I love God. I want God to be in my life. I want him to be present. I want him to be predominant. But he's not preeminent because this is preeminent. My dreams are preeminent. Then you're not all in. You can't be all in unless there's true love. You can't be all in unless there's total trust. And you can't be all in unless there's complete surrender. I came home years and years ago. I came home from work one day. 
It's about 4.45, and uh, my youngest son, Drew, was about a year and a half old, and he's like 27 now, so this was a long time ago. But I come home one, uh, one day, and I, and I walked in the kitchen. When I walked in the kitchen, I startled Drew. Drew startled me. I went, whoa, there's Drew. And as soon as Drew saw me, he made a fist, and he put it behind his head, behind his back. And I went, hey, what you got, Drew? I said, Drew, come here. What you got? Drew, give me what you have in your hand. No, Daddy. No, no. <laughs> yes, Daddy. You give me what you have right now. Drew, come here. Drew, come here and give me what you got. No, Daddy. He started walking backwards. Now, all of you young people are old enough to realize why parents gave you a middle name, okay? Because when they use your middle name, they mean business, all right? Andrew James Shetler, you give me what you have in your hand right now. No, Daddy. And he starts walking backwards. I said, Drew, stop! Young man, yeah, child, stop, stop. No, daddy, no, daddy. I said, give me what you got in your hand. Drew, you come here right now. Give me what you got. No, daddy. I'm going like, well, I don't know what this kid's got in his hand, but it better be pretty good because he's going to get a spanking for it, you know? And he's walking all the way back to his room. And I'm walking down the hall. And I got to be 40 years old. And Drew, stop. Drew, Drew, stop. Drew, young man, stop. Drew, give me, Drew. We go all the way back to his room. He gets all the way to the corner. I'm going like, I don't know what this kid's got in his hand, but it better be pretty good, you know? I pull his hand out. I got a this little two-year-old. I got to pry open his fingers. I finally get his, oh, 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 Drew. Inside his hand is three quarters of a cockroach squished. It is the grossest thing. You say, Brother Shuttler, what happened to the other quarter? I don't know. I don't even want to know. Oh, Drew. I took him over to the sink. We washed his hands. I said, no, Drew, no cockroaches. Mommy, Daddy give you good things. Let's wash your hands. No cockroaches, Drew. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, you got a weird kid. We did, but can I tell you, no stranger than what some of you are holding on to. Now, it really is true. Some of you are holding on to something that's worse than a cockroach. Some of you got a habit. Some of you got something in your life that you will not let go of. And there's, there's a dream. There's a thing. There's a habit. There's a, a desire. There's a, a sport. <coughs> there's a relationship that you're stinking holding on to. Let me tell you something. You are not all in until there's complete surrender. Abraham has to give up that which he loves. You cannot be all in for God if you're not giving up what you love. And I want you to spend, you know what? Because this is a big deal, I want you to spend the day thinking about it. Do you really want to be all in? Do you really say, you know what? with true love, with total trust, and with complete surrender. By the way, verse 2 is like one of the coolest verses in the Old Testament. Listen to this. And he, and he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, it's only going to be by faith, whom thou lovest, you got to, whatever you're going to give to God, if you're going to be all in, you got to give that what you love. Now, by the way, it's not wrong to love your son. It's not wrong to love basketball. It's not wrong to love volleyball. It's not wrong to love music. It's not, it's not wrong to love these things. But you know what? If you're going to be all in, you got to give it over to God. Now, God's going to give Isaac back to Abraham. Sometimes he'll take something out of your life. 
Thou hast not given him, thou hast not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. One of our verses this week. God takes anything out of your life, he'll always replace it with something better. It may be the same thing, but now it will be better because you gave it over to God. So let's just go about the sports thing for just a moment. Maybe you're talented here in music or sports or whatever. You got a great voice. You're really good basketball, whatever sport, football, whatever it is, volleyball, whatever it is. And you say, man, I love volleyball, brother Shell. Good, good. There's no problem with that. Give it over to God. You give it over to God, God may bring it back in your life. He may not. But whatever he does, it'll be the best thing for you. You give it over to God. You cannot be all in without complete surrender. And you cannot be all in without total trust. And you cannot be all in without true love. So then he says, okay, now I love this. Uh, whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah. Now, Moriah is a mountain range, which is around Jerusalem. I read this morning in my devotions, as the mountains are around Zion, so am I around you. Well, the mountains around Zion is called Moriah. They're the mountain range. Now, listen to this. And offer him there. Whoa. Offer my son. Yeah, 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 because you're going to have to be all in, Abraham. And offer him there for a burnt offering. Now, I love this. Upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Wait now, everyone look at this way. This is, okay, there's a lot of major principles in understanding the will of God, but this is one of the big ones. God's will for your life is not distant. God's will for your life is daily. God's will for your life is not really a location or a vocation. God's will for your life is a relationship. Now listen to me. You got to take God's will step by step. Don't you love what he just said to Abraham? He said, Abraham, what I want you to do right now is take your son. This is the step I want you to take, the step of faith. There is a step of faith that God wants you to take this, this week. I don't know about what area or whatever. There's a step of faith God wants you to say, will you trust me? He is not going to show you everything right now. Okay, God, I'll give you this, but I need to know some more things. God says, no. You take your step of faith and go to Moriah. Then when you get to Moriah, I will show you the specific mountain to go on. Now, this is really important because I deal with college students all the time. And I deal with teenagers that just graduated from high school. And here's what they say to me a lot of times. You know, Brother Shetler, I would come to West Coast, but I don't know for sure I'm called to ministry. So why would I waste a year going to West Coast and going to Bible college for a year if I don't know for sure what God has for me? Stop. Go to Moriah and then let God show you what mountain to go to. In other words, you can also go to Bible college if you don't know what God has for you. You take a step God will show you the next step. In other words, Bible college is not only the place to train, it's also the place to find. And you go to, by the way, you may find your spouse. I did. When I went to Bible college, I found my spouse. L let me tell you something. This is a really big thing. Just go to Moriah. And it doesn't have to be Bible college. It has anything to do with anything in your life. Just take the step I'm asking you to take right now. Okay, now. Some of you really did genuinely make a decision last night. You know what, God? 
I do want to be a man of God. I want to be a leader. Now, I don't know what all this means yet, but God, I made a decision. I thanked you for making me a woman last night. I thanked you last night for making me a man last night. God, I meant what I said. And Lord, I want to be, I'm, I'm never going to be aggressive and argumentative and alluring. I, I made that decision. Now, now, that's a Mariah statement. Uh, but now you're going to learn what that specifically means in the days ahead. God will show you. So he says here, if you're going to be all in, you got to have complete surrender, total trust, and true love. So, so he says, okay, so go up to Moriah. So Abraham rose up early. I love that. This guy's all in. He didn't like wake up late and say, I don't really want to do this. Why don't we wait a few days? Abraham rose up early in the morning. So this is what I'm hoping. I'm being honest. I hope that tomorrow morning you'll rise up and you'll say, you know what? Give me one of those cards today because I want to be all in. I really do believe I am all in on this thing. I want to at least live this summer completely all in for my God. Oh, I know I'll probably fail here or there, but I really mean it. I want to be all in with a complete, complete uh, surrender. There's nothing I'm holding on to. God, you got it all. Lord, I'm going to totally trust you. He rose up early in the morning and he said, let's get going on this thing. Let's do this thing with Isaac. I'm all in, God. I I you love that. He says, and so Abraham uh, rose up early in the morning. Now, we go down to verse number five. So they get to the Moriah and then God shows them the mountain to go to. And Abraham said unto the young men, he, he went with some servants, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Now listen to this, because this is, this is that faith. This is the true, this is the total trust. And come again to you. In Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham makes the, the, the hall of faith. He makes it in a couple ways, but one of the ways he makes it is this story right here. And here's what it says. Apparently, Abraham does believe that he is going to kill his son. But according to the Hebrews passage, it seems like he believes that God is going to raise him back from the dead. So he believed that Isaac was going to die, but he believed God was going to raise him back. He had to, now, that isn't what God ends up doing. God does not ask Abraham to take his life. He only did that one time, and that was with his own son, Jesus Christ. But he, he, Abraham's got the knife over Isaac, ready to kill his own son. And God says, Abraham, Abraham, don't do it. Now I know that you fear me. Now I know there's total trust. Now I know there's complete surrender. Now I know that you love me more than anything else. That's, now, you know what? Now I know you're all in, Abraham. You know the story. So in order to be all in, it means complete surrender. It means total trust. It means true love. Could you say those three statements with me? What does it mean? Because I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you in the next 24 hours to make a decision about being all in. I want you to clearly understand what it means. Can you give me the three things? Number one, it means what? Everyone together? Number two, it means what? And what, number three, it means what? If you don't have those three things, you're not all in. Okay, so now we come to the next question. Brother Shuttler, why? Why should I be all in? Okay, I understand what it means, but why should I be all in? Take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50. So there's three reasons 
but there's none bigger than this one. There's three reasons why you should be all in. But this is it. And young person, I am sorry. But in the culture of Christianity in America today, we just ain't got this at all. I'll tell you why we should be all in. Isaiah chapter 50, and by the way, I could have easily gone to the New Testament passage in Luke for this. This is a messianic prophecy about your Savior. I chose the messianic prophecy for a reason. This means that for the 33 and a half years that Jesus was on this earth, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He was never in confusion. As a 12-year-old boy, it's all we have from that point till he starts his earthly ministry at 30 years of age. He subjects himself to his parents. He knows where he's headed. He knows what's going to happen. He is all God and he's all man. We do not have this human being wandering around like, what's happening to me? I don't understand. Like you get from a, a Hollywood movie, Jesus. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. And you need to understand this. I chose this passage because this is before Christ was ever born in Bethlehem, but obviously existed. Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Boy, if that isn't a specific thing of exactly what happened to Christ the night before he was crucified. For the Lord God will help me. Now look at this. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. I am all in. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. All right. Why, Brother Shetler, did you choose a messianic prophecy to show what and why we should be all in. You ought to be all in. Because Jesus was all in for you. Now you get this young person. He gave everything for you. You don't get anything else out of this week. You know this. Jesus Christ went through incredible suffering, pain, and death because of your sin. Because of what you've done. He was all in. Notice that. I know what's coming. They are going to spit on me. I know what's coming. They're pulling my beard out. I know what's coming. They're going to beat me with a can of nine tails. I know what's coming. This didn't like take him in the garden of God. What's happening? I don't understand. Oh, Father, what's happening? No, he knew exactly what was happening, even to the point that he has hemodritosis in the garden of Gethsemane. Instead of perspiring perspiration, his vessels bust because of the stress he's under, and instead of sweat, blood's coming out of his pores. That's only happened in medical history, is, it, it, that we have journaled 76 times. And do you know that every time it has happened, where hemodritosis has taken place in a human body, the person dies within an hour to two hours because of the shock they're in. I think if the angels don't come to minister to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus dies in the Garden. I want you to know, he was all in. You know, whenever I struggle in my Christian life, whenever I think, God, is it all worth it? I stop and think, wait a second. 
What did Jesus Christ do for me? Young person, I got to tell you, it is amazing to me that we're trying everything in the world to get young people to live for God. Hey, you know why you ought to be all in, young person? Because Christ was all in for you. What in the world's happened to us? We are so self-centered. It's all about selfies, and it's all about me, and it's all about this. No, it's all about a risen Savior who suffered for you. Brother Seller, why should I live for Jesus? Because he died for you. Because he suffered on that cross for you. And he knew it was going to happen. It didn't take him by surprise. Before you were ever created, before the world was ever created, God said, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to go through amazing pain. And I'm going to be all in for mankind. And I'm going to be all in for Jim Shetler. You know, I don't have a problem. But you know what? You may not get a lot of things out of Shetler. But I'll tell you what. Whatever I do, I do it all in. If I'm going to be a camp speaker, I'm not going to sit up in a room. I'm going to be all in at this camp. You may get better preachers. You may get better things, but you won't get a speaker that's more all in than when I come to a camp. Because, man, my heart is here. I'm with you guys. And you know why? Because Jesus was all in for me. And if Jesus is all in for me, then I can be all in for these campers. Guys, the only way to live your life is to live it all in. Because that's how Jesus lived for you. If you want to live for God, be all in. Why should I be all in? Because Jesus was for you. I got two other reasons, though. They pale in comparison, but they're worth saying. The Christian life doesn't work halfway. It doesn't work. If you put one foot in for Christ and one foot in for yourself, you will hate the Christian life. Now, this is, this is an opinion, but this is what I believe. I believe the most unhappy person on the face of this earth, I believe the most unhappy person on the face of this earth is not a lost person on their way to hell. This past week, I read Psalm 73. And in Psalm 73, it talks about, man, I was jealous of those. They're wicked, they're ungodly, but like they're rich. They're living a great life. Oh, let me tell you something. There are some people on their way to hell that are having the time of their life right now. Can I tell you the most unhappy person on planet Earth? is a Christian who's not all in. It doesn't work. The Christian life doesn't work if you're halfway. You say, well, Father Scheller, can you give me an illustration? Oh, I will be glad to. Three million Jews are saved out of Egypt in a miraculous way. They come to the promised land. Twelve spies go in, and they're supposed to bring back the fruit of the land, have a big pep rally, and go like, yeah, this is going to be the coolest thing in the world. Well, they bring back the fruit of the land. They got grapes the size of grapefruits. They bring back the fruit of the land, and they said, yeah, it's flowing with milk and honey. In order for something to flow with milk and honey, in order to flow with milk, you got to have cows. In order for cows to flow with milk, you got to have grass. So whatever you think of Israel, it wasn't that way back in the promised land time. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. There were meadows everywhere with honey. You got to have bees, and bees got to have flowers. In order for it to flow with milk and honey, it had to be an absolute beautiful paradise property. They bring back the fruit of the land. They said, yeah, 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 it's all okay, except there's one thing. We saw the Hittites. 
We saw the Jebusites. We saw the Malachites. We saw the mosquito bites, and we saw the electric lights. And I got to tell you, we were like grasshoppers. We got over there, and they were like, they were giants! And we were like little grasshoppers! Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful land. We'll never take it. And two people, Joshua and Caleb, said, guys, what's, what, what's the deal? we got to be all in. God promised us the land. Let's believe it. Let's be all in. They said, Joshua and Caleb, shut up, because it ain't happening. And so for the next 40 years, they don't go back to Egypt. And they don't live in the promised land. They live in the wilderness. And I'm going to tell you this. The majority of Christians in the United States of America are saved out of Egypt, but they're not living the victorious Christian life at all. And I'm going to tell you why. They're not all in. They're not all in. And unfortunately, you teenagers go to church every Sunday with a bunch of people in your church that aren't all in for Jesus. And you call that normal Christianity. It's not, young person. If you're going to do this, do it all the way. Live for God. It doesn't work halfway. You're going to misery. You're going to, and by the way, you know what's going to end up happening? You're going to end up leaving the church. You get to be 22 years old, and you're going to say, you know what? I just don't get anything out of church. I, 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 you know why? Because no one's living all in. Young person, can I tell you why you should be all in? Jesus was. You know why you should be all in? Because it doesn't work any other way. And I got another one. You know why you should be all in? Because that's where the real blessing is. If you want to see God do something in your life, step in all the way. And it's amazing. Years ago, um, my wife and I, we liked to camp. And uh, so we took our boys camping out to Colorado. And uh, we were going to do a, you know, we, uh, we didn't do backpacking camping, but we did tent camping. And that's what we like. And, then, and we all have our little jobs, and it's, it brings the family really together. Well, the first place we went to was a place called Four Corners. Anyone here ever been to Four Corners? Okay, that is, <laughs> that is like the, the most uncool place in all the earth. Okay, so it's where four states all come together, and there's a little spot that's about the size is this, is this thing right here. It's a little, little square, metal square. It's called Four Corners. You step on it. You step off of it, and it's like, okay, that was a waste of two hours to get to that spot. Okay, I mean, it's really bad. Well, near there, there's a place called Mesa Verde, which is where the Indians lived in the, cl in, in the, in the side of the rock. It's a you know, green table, Mesa Verde. So they, they, had, they grow their crops on the top of the mountain, and they lived in the caves. So we went to that, and that was our first night camping out. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. It was all dirt, it was all sand, there were insects everywhere, and it was just a lousy place to camp. So the next morning, and I wasn't that impressed on how the Indians lived in the caves either, okay? So anyways, and my boys were not at all. So the next morning, we're eating breakfast around the fire, and we're having our family devotions in the morning. So the end of the family devotions, I asked the question, hey boys, hey Marilee, what should we pray for? Like all of them at the same time said, another camping spot. I go, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, what should we pray for? Ben says, hey, Dad, how about a camping spot with trees? That sounds good. Let's pray for that. Let's pray for tonight. God will give us a camping spot with trees. What else? Mountains, Dad. That's what we came out here to see. I said, okay, let's pray for that. Let's pray for mountains. Let's pray for green trees. What else? Dad, it would be really cool if we had a camping spot that had snow on the mountains. I said, that's cool. Let's do it. Let's pray for a camping spot with trees, mountains, and snow on the mountain. Anything else? Dad, a lake. Let's pray for like a lake. I said, 
Okay, let's do that. Let's pray for a camping spot that has green trees, mountains, snow on the mountains, and a lake. Anything else? Little Drew says, Dad, let's pray for a place that looks like a postcard. And I said, okay, let's pray for a place that looks like a postcard. That sounds good. So we prayed. We prayed, we packed up, and we started up the million-dollar highway. We went through uh, Durango, uh, Cortez, and we go start going up the million-dollar highway by Telluride, and beautiful. So we stopped, and the kids played out in the woods, and we take pictures, and we go, well, it's getting a little late. Time's going by, it's getting a little late. We come to a little town called Uray. Now, tomorrow, we're going to go to Uray and rent a Jeep and go up the Yankee Boy Basin and drive the Jeep up. So I, I wanted to check on that. We're in Uray, and Uray was just the coolest little town. All these little shops, the kids were having a time of their life, but it's getting late, it's getting late. And so, so we get back in the car, and I'm going like, Lord, we got to find a camping spot here. It's getting pretty late. So I go about seven miles outside of Uray, and there's the sign. Thank you, Lord. K-O-A. Got a campground. Oh, thank you, Lord. Because it's, it's getting dark. We got to set up. We got to do dinner, blah, 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 blah. I go in. I pay for the spot, $38. They give us a spot down by a stream, and we start taking the stuff out of the car. Nobody's saying a word. And I'm going, come on, man. We got to get going. We got to get set up. Nobody's saying a word. I said, come on, Ben, start helping. Ben, what's wrong? Dad, yeah, what? Come on, we got to get going. Is this what we prayed for? What? Dad, is this what we prayed for? What are you talking about, Ben? This morning, Dad, didn't we ask God for a campsite? Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure this week God will give us something like that. But, but guys, we got to get, it's late now, Dad. And then Luke comes, Dad, this isn't what we prayed for. Little Drew starts, Dad, I don't see no, I don't see no snow. This isn't a postcard. I said, oh, and Marilee says, Jim, this isn't what we prayed. Oh, I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I go back. They give me my $38 back. We'll go somewhere else. They're not going to give me my $38 back. I go back up to the counter. Can I have my $38 back? We haven't, yeah, 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 here it is. No, 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 I really, no, no, here you go. So we get back in the car. We start going, it's dark now, man. I mean, it's like past dusk. We go 12 more miles. Sign on the side of the road, Ridgeway State Park. I'm going, this better work. You know, we pull into Ridgeway. I come in. I said, do you guys have any more park, uh, camping spots? They said, we do. The only thing we got left is primitive uh, camping spots. And I said, okay, what do you got? So we looked at it, and I said, I'll, we'll, we'll do this one right here. Well, lot 187. Okay, 187, where in the world are we? We're in another state, you know, Utah, you know, whatever. So we, so we drive. It takes us 15 minutes to find a gang. We get to plot 187. It is now dark. We're unloading. We're, we're, we got to get a fire going. We got to cook the meal. We get to bed. The next morning, I've always been the, the early riser. My, all my boys will tell you, my wife will tell you, Jim is the guy who gets up earth first. I get up and I unzipper the tent. And when I unzipper the tent, gang, I look out from our tent. I unzipper the tent and I look out and I go, oh man. I reach over and I get my camera and I take a picture with my camera from the tent and this is the picture that I took from the tent at lot 187 in Ridgeway State Park. From the tent, 
I took this picture. I said, guys! I started to scream. I said, ah, bear, bear! I said, come here, look at this! This is like 6.30 in the morning from our tent in Ridgeway State Park, and they all look out and they go, now that's what we prayed for right there. I said, guys, look at the trees! Look at the water! Look at the mountains! And gang, what's on the mountains? Snow! Young people, it gets better. We go down to Uray to get the, to get the Jeep. And while we're in Uray, I'm signing the papers. Marilee's off in the store, just on the other side of the store. And my wife screams, Jim! Jim! I go, what, 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 what? She says, come here, you gotta see this. She is standing by one of those stands that have postcards on it. She takes a postcard out. She said, Jim, look at the postcard. The postcard is from Ridgeway State Park, lot 187. <laughs> she said, Jim, it was a postcard. And I said, that's what we prayed for. Now, I'm going to tell you something, young people. I just can't tell you what inside of me. Most Christians in America are living at KOA. And I come to Southland to tell you, you could be at Ridgeway, man. You could be at Ridgeway. But the only way is you've got to be all in. You can't live the Christian life halfway. You're going to stay at KOA all of your life. And you go, oh, the Christian life is okay. Or you're going to say, you know what? I'm all in. And I just got to tell you this. If 15, 16, and 17-year-olders don't believe this, you ain't never going to believe it at 34, 35, and 36. It ain't never going to happen. If you don't believe that you, gotta, you, want God, you want God to do something in your life like never before, you got to get all in, guys. You got to get all in. Why do we have to be all in? Because Jesus was. Why do we have to be all in? It's the only way the Christian life works. Why do we have to be all in? Because if you want God's best for your life, and don't you ever settle for anything less than God's best, you got to be all in. Okay, Brother Scheller, I know what it means. I know why I should. But how does this work? Great question. Let me give you four quick things, and we're done. Number one, you take, they all start with R. You ready? It takes responsibility. When someone becomes all in, they own it. You can tell immediately who's all in on this camp because they own it. They own the red team. They own the blue team. They own their cabin. They own it, man. They get in a game and they own it. It's not a prima donna thing because it's all about the team, but they own it. Whether we win or lose is on me, man. Whether this happens, it's on me. I own this. Now, some of you come from some really bad family. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm the baby of the family of a total dysfunctional family. And I'm going to tell you what happened in college. I took responsibility for my family. Well, who are you, Jim? I, just a Christian. And I was the baby of the family. I have ministered to, to my two older sisters, and my brother is 15 years older than me. My brother looks to me as the spiritual leader of the home. I'm 15 years younger than my older brother. 
But you know what I did? I took ownership of the spiritual well-being of the Shetler family. And I said, God, use me. God, this is my family. These are my sisters. This is my brother. That's my mom. I got to lead my dad to the Lord. He said, well, who do you think you are? Nobody. I'm nobody. But I'm going to tell you what I was. I was all in. And when you're all in, you own it, man. You take responsibility for it. When I first um, got at West Coast, I came at an unusual time. I came on Easter of 2013. So I wasn't teaching any classes. I was just there to observe, so to speak. So the first couple months I was at the college and the summer, I didn't feel like, Lord, did I make the right decision in leaving the pastorate? I didn't feel, but you know what? That fall, I started teaching seven classes. They gave me administrative responsibilities. They started giving me this, and you know what? I owned it. I took responsibility, and I owned it. And I said, okay, I'm here, so I got to be all in. I'm not going to be a participant. I'm not going to be a spectator. I'm going to start playing in the game. Guys, own it. Take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your youth group. Take responsibility for your church. Take responsibility for your family. And can I just ask you this, if we're doing it all, let's just do it all the way. Take responsibility for your culture and for your generation. Say, God, use me in America. God, do something in my life in this world. Let me take responsibility. Number two, number two, if you're all in, if you're all in, you got to take rejection. You're never going to be all in without taking rejection. You got to stand when ain't nobody else standing. You got to be able, if you're all in for Christ, you got to be able to take rejection. Three young men stand before the most powerful person the world has ever known, humanly speaking, politically. Three young men stand before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is flat out angry. He is, he is so upset. He said, I'm going to let you three little Hebrew guys I'm going to let you bow down again. I'm going to have them play the music. And you guys better bow down. And they said, O king, we are not careful to answer thee. We thought this out all right. You see, we're all in for the God of the Hebrews. And you know what? Our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But if not, it doesn't matter because we're all in. Guys, if you can't take rejection from your peers and take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't ever make it being all in. You got to take responsibility. You got to take rejection. Now, I wrote a couple things down with that. What will it mean, Brother Shetler, to take rejection? Here's what it means. So if you're doing one of the little things tomorrow, know this is going to happen. People are going to make fun of you. Number two, they're going to separate from you. And number three, get this one, you're going to fail. You're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to fail. For the just man falleth seven times, but he gets back up. Now listen to me. If you're going to be all in tomorrow and you make the decision, I'm going to be all in, you're saying I'm taking responsibility at least for my life. And then number two, you're saying I'm going to take rejection. I know people are going to make fun of me because of the stand I'm going to take. I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to swear anymore. I'm not going to listen to the same kind of music. I'm not going to the same places. People are going to separate from you. You're going to lose friends. Okay, I'm just telling you that right now. If you're going to be all in, you're going to get rejected. Okay, you're, you're going to lose friends. And I'm going to tell you something else, and this one hurts. But if you're going to be all in, you're going to fail. You're going to say something stupid. Someone's going to have you for lunch. An evolutionist will give you a question, and you go like, okay, I don't have a clue. God, I just made you look terrible. 
God, I just made you look terrible. It's okay. It's okay. I just witnessed to somebody and they just turned it around and they, and I didn't know how to answer that, that Muslim. I didn't know how to answer that Mormon. I, oh Lord, I never do it. No, 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 no. You're going to fail. Come on, man. You're a 15 year old girl. You're going to fail. You're a 17 year old guy. You're going to put your foot in your mouth. You're going to say something stupid. You're going to do something. You're going to have to ask for forgiveness from the team you're on or whatever. You showed anger. You're going to fail. But you take rejection and you say, dear God, I'm getting back up because I'm all in. You got to take responsibility. You got to take rejection. I got to tell you this. Now listen to me. And every one of you will agree with this when I say this. You got to take reproof. You got to take reproof. Now, if anyone is all in for a sport, they go like, hey, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Maybe you play tennis and you get and a tennis coach goes, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Playing tennis. Man alive, you got you to stand like this. You got to bend your knees more. You got to get more in. You're, you're not doing anything right. Hey, 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 you're trying to play golf. Yeah, I'm playing golf. I'm all in on the golf thing. Well, let me just help you with your swing because your golf swing is terrible. Hey, man, let me just alone. I can do this. You're a musician and you're playing the violin. Hey, do you want some help? No, I'm a fine musician. Then you're not all in. Because when somebody's all in, they want reproof. Hey, show me how to do better. Show me how to do better. I teach a class at college called homiletics. It's how to preach. And the very first class period, I tell the, the guys, I said, guys, leave your egos at the door. If you want to learn some things about preaching, leave your ego at the door because we're going to critique each other. We're going to talk about each other. And we're going to, we're going to, if you guys can't take the reproof, take another class. Because I'm here to help you guys be the best preachers you can be. And if you got a little ego thing going, well, well, don't you try to put Saul's armor on me. No, no, no. You're going to be David. You're going to be fine. But I'm going to show you how to throw a sling better, okay? So we're not going to try to put Saul's armor on you, but you got to put your egos at the door. Now, young person, you're not all in if you're not willing to take reproof. Now, some of you young people can't be corrected about anything because you know why? You're not all in. Someone that's all in can do it. And then finally, number four, you got to take rejection. You got to take responsibility. You got to take reproof. And last thing, we're done. You got to take a risk. You got to take a risk. People that are all in, jump. People that are all in, take a step. God, this is scary. Yeah, that's why I'm giving you 24 hours to think about it. Because if you're not willing to take the risk, you're not making this decision tomorrow. But if you say, you know what? I do want to take the risk. I close with this story. I, I read this story years ago. I just love this story. In the early 1960s, the communist Chinese were taking over all the islands in the South Pacific. And they were just taking over one island after another. They were in the Philippines. And they were taking all the islands over. And the communist Chinese, now these were all a British commonwealth still. So the Brits still owned all this. In Indonesia, there are literally thousands of islands. And on some of these islands was this brave tribe of warriors called the Gurkhas Indians. And so these Gurkhas Indians were incredible warriors, but it was under the British Commonwealth. So the British commander was losing island after island to the communist Chinese. So he called the chief of the Gurkhas Indians, and he said this to him. Guys, this is so cool. He said to him, he said, hey, listen, man. You guys are the most fierce warriors. You're jungle warriors. You guys are amazing fighters. We need your help if we're going to get the communist Chinese out of here. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Will you join forces with us 
We will fly over the islands where the communist Chinese have already infiltrated, and we will drop your warriors into the islands, and then they can fight against the communist Chinese, and we believe that your warriors can overtake these, these communists. And the chief looked at the, the British commander, and he said, we will not do this. We will not do this. And he left. Well, the British commander goes like, wow, that was our only hope, was the Gurkhas Indians. I mean, they're the fierce, they know how to fight in the jungles. The next day, the chief comes back, and the chief says this, we have decided we will fight, and we will go, but there's two things you must do. Yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, what, what, what is it? Number one, you must fly your planes low as possible over the top of the trees. And number two, you must fly at the slowest speed possible when my warriors jump out. And the British commander said, hey, well, uh, man, we can't do those two things. Number one, the planes have to fly at a very high speed in order to stay in flight. And number two, the planes have to be at a certain altitude in order for the parachutes to open up. At which the Gurkhas chief said, parachutes, what are those? Do you know what he thought? He thought his men had to jump out of the planes into the trees. He didn't know anything about parachutes. That is taking a risk. You know what he was saying? My men are all in. Just fly it low and fly it slow. Hey guys, are you ready to jump without a parachute? Are you ready to be all in for the Lord Jesus Christ? Guys, can I tell you this? It means total commitment. It means total trust. It means I love this, but I love my God more. And I'm going to be all in. Guys, you should be because Jesus was. You should be because it's the only way the Christian life works. You should be because you want God's best for your life. Take responsibility. Take rejection. Take reproof. And gang, take a risk and be all in. Now here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow, at the end of chapel, I'm going to give you how to be, live the victorious Christian life when you get back home tomorrow in chapel. At the end of chapel, I'm going to have your sponsors up here with little cards. On the back, you got a name and a date. You think about it for 24 hours, and if you say, God, that's what I want. You, nobody's coming because their friend's coming. You come forward and say, you know what? I want to be all in. I understand what it means. I've prayed about it for a day. And I believe it's the only way to live the Christian life. And Jesus did it for me. I want to be all in. And I'm going to be all in. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I want you to be all in for two and a half months. The rest of June, all of July, and all of August. Because I truly believe if you're all in for two and a half months, you'll be all in in September, October, November, December. It's going to go on. But you got to, be, you got to make a commitment and say, I'm going to be all in for the rest of the summer for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.